Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. All right, Heavenly Father, we just love you this morning. That's the echo of our heart. We want to say we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Colossians 3.16. Your word is richly dwelling among us. Thank you, Jeremiah 1.12. You watch over your word to perform it. I'm just reminded of Isaiah 55 and verse 11 that your word will not return void, but it will do what it was sent to do. It will prosper and accomplish in our lives. And we extend our hearts to you this morning, Father, to receive your word. We're so thankful for it in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, would you just say amen? We are launching a brand new series today, <clears throat> and so if you're a guest with us today, so excited you're here. We're launching a new series, I'll show you the title, called Why Church? Why Church? And we're going to spend a few weeks talking about the church and why is it important, what is it, what does it mean, what is its function, what is its purpose, and have you ever wondered why church, why the time commitment, why the getting out of bed early on Sundays when it's your only day to sleep in? Right? I know y'all think about that, especially those of you that are late. I see it. I see it on your face. Why the sacrificing of so much money and so much finances and why all the expense and why the opening of our heart and our home to people that we don't even know, that aren't even blood family? Why, why is that connection important? Why so many rules and regulations and why so many meetings? Can I have an amen when we say why so many meetings? And how many churches can meet to death? I mean, dear me, how much stuff you got to meet about? Why all the meetings? Why so many buildings? Why church? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you today that the reason we gather on the weekends is much more deeper than just we don't have anything better to do on the weekends. Many of you could think of other things to do with your time. But there is a purpose. The church has a, a purpose. And to someone drifting by, to someone that's not engaged in the church, the church can seem like a rather random flurry of activity. You have all sorts of things going on. Over here, one day you may have marriage counseling. Over here, one day you may have a wedding. Over here one day you may have a youth camp to your youth and students where they're outside running and playing and sweaty and nasty. And, and how many youth camps come up? Can I have a big whoop whoop from all the students in the house? Okay, thank you. We got one. <coughs> the gallon staff had to do it. I mean, he's just... We, we have a flare of activity. We have grief and, and support for death when there's death in a family over here. And then we celebrate birth and life over here. And we have the large gathering on the weekends where people come and worship. Then we have the small gatherings in our homes. The church is, is really, it is really, I wrote this in my notes, it, it covers a unique spectrum of life and love and influence. And so today we're going to just kind of define and talk about the church. Look at this PowerPoint for life. I want to set the table for you this morning. I believe this, and I don't mean this in a condemning way because you're here, but there's a thought out there that says, I don't need church. And, and this is not only going to you, but ladies and gentlemen, our podcast is literally going all over the nation in other countries. And so I know there are folks in California that need this. Can I have an amen? I mean, all those Californians, they need what I'm preaching today. I believe, <coughs> this is what I put in my notes, I believe that the gathering of God's people in a committed community is essential to our spiritual well-being and maturity. Church is not optional. And again, I'm not coming at you if church is not your thing. Listen, I've been in some bad churches, and church was not really my thing either. You have to learn to love the church. You have to be in a good church full of good people. You know what makes a good church? Good people. You know what makes a great church? 
Me telling my jokes, praise God. Hallelujah. No, you know what makes a great church? Great people like Luis. Can we encourage our man from Peru? Man. Amen. Luis shared his devotional and his testimony at our men's breakfast. And if you missed our men's breakfast, you missed a treat. All you can eat Shoney's for $5. Come on. Amen. Not only was the food awesome and greasy, <laughs> hallelujah, but, but Luis shared his testimony. What a great word he had for all of us. But that, that's a part of what I'm talking about. We cannot grow to fullness in our walk with God apart from the church. We cannot grow to fullness in our walk with God in isolation. Would you just look at your neighbor and just tell them, I need you. Would you just tell them that, I need you. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I need your wallet. Please, come on. I need your credit cards. I need your wallet. <laughs> so before we can actually look at why church, we must take a moment and define the church. So turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. You'll see it on the screen. Paul is writing to a young pastor. This young pastor's name is Timothy. He's the pastor of the church of Ephesus. He has a very, very small church of around 100,000 plus people. Just a small little deal, you know, in the corner. But he pastors about 100,000 plus in Ephesus. And Paul's trying to get to Timothy. He's trying to go see him again. And look what he writes to him in his letters. He says, but in case I'm delayed, I write to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. How many know in my family we have a certain way that we conduct ourselves? It's not appropriate to, to run through my yard naked without any clothes on. Can I have an amen? That's just one of the family rules that we have as our family. That's, yeah, I cut all the fun out. I mean, no, if you're going to come in my house, you're going to conform to my rules. If you're going to come and be a part of my family and in my, in my household, we have a certain set of values that separate us from the world. We have a set of values. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the household of God, and there is a certain conduct, there's a certain ebb and flow, there's a certain protocol of the family of God. Now, this is not to squish all your fun, and this is not to limit what you can do, and, but God, God has a protocol for His family. Notice we're the household of God, which is the church. Say this with me out loud if you can, and this is intentional. I want you to say this. Say, the household of God is the church. So we are the household of God, and we are the church of the living God, a pillar and support of the truth. <laughs> now, church is more than just a worship service. We say, I'm going to church on Sundays. But really, we don't really go to church. We go to a church service because we are the church. We are the household of God. We are the people of God. And so church is more than just a 90-minute commitment on the weekends. We live in the South, and everybody is a Christian. And so people go to church, and they nod to God, and they do their Christian thing to make mama happy. They go to church on Mother's Day to make mama happy. How I many know you got to keep mama happy? They say, happy wife, happy life. And I flipped it around, happy mama, or you have no life. Amen. That's really how it is. But they go to church, and they just nod to God, and they do God a favor by going to church. Church is much more than just a weekend worship service. Church is so much more. Church is Jesus being woven into the fabric of our life. Of every fabric and fiber of my life, Jesus, my commitment to Him is flowing through that. <laughs> and so notice here, if you can pull back First Timothy 3, I want you to see this. The church is the household of God. Ladies and gentlemen, church is not a building. It is not a place. Thank God for buildings. Thank God for places to worship. But, but church is not a building, it's not a location, it's not a place, it is a people. It is a people of God that He has called to Himself. 
It is the family of God. Now, I love this that it says we are the household of God. I've traveled to several countries and had the chance to minister and preach and love on people. (coughs) And I can show up in Calcutta, India and show up in a church and meet a brother in the Lord and feel like I've known him my whole life. You can't do that really in, in almost any other setting. Why? Because what connects us? The Lord Jesus. He's my brother in Christ. Now, I'm not saying we go back to old school where this is Brother Michael and Brother Tito and Sister Ellie. And, you know, I'm not saying we have to go back to quite that far. But I am saying that you are my sister. Mary, you're my sister. Amen. Mo, you're my brother. Man, come on, give me a fist bump for my, my brother here. Different mom, same dad, our Heavenly Father. Amen. But you're my brother. We're family. We need each other. Now, I want to show you something else here that I've seen that, <coughs> that maybe you've not realized. And we'll talk about this here. But a lot of people say God is the pillar and support of the truth. And they, they, they point to God as being the pillar and support of the truth. God is not the support of the truth. God is truth. John 14 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So what is the pillar that supports truth in the world today? It's the local church. It's the household of God. We are the pillar and the support of truth. What is truth? Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus provided for our sins. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at some scriptures this morning. Is it okay to read the Bible in church? Would you rather me have a Reader's Digest clip or something? I mean, would we, can we read the Bible? Check this out. <coughs> Jared, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 2, there it is, thank you. It says, you also are living stones, and you are being built up as a spiritual house. So God is building a church here in our community, and he's using you. You are a living stone. This church is built out of brick. This building here is built out of brick. My house is built out of bricks. Those stones aren't alive. My house is not evolving. If I add on to my home, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of work and it's, the bricks aren't just multiplying. But in the house of God, in the church of God, you come in. You are a living stone in the house. It's for a holy priesthood so we can offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This would be good to write down on your bulletins. Can I have an amen? All right. Take this notes. Write it down. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we should eat right. Can I have an omihi? That's why we should take care of ourselves. Can I have an amen from Susan? She's in medicine. That's why we should, should endeavor to stay physical, endeavor to take care of ourselves. And people... People say, you know, are you against this on your body or this? And you know what? I think we need to take care of our bodies. We need to honor our bodies because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You're not your own. Do you not know that you've been bought with a price? Look at Acts chapter 17. This is just some foundational things that that tell us before we can define why church, we have to define what the church is. The Bible says in Acts 17, 24, that God who made the world... And all things in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not dwell in temples made with hands. There was a time in the Old Testament where they had to go to a place, a holy place, a sacred place, to encounter the presence of God. But now because of the Holy Spirit being released into the earth, we are now the temple of God. We are now the new creation in Christ Jesus. When we are born again, when you step into the kingdom of God, you now house the Spirit of God with you. Well, you know, you shouldn't lie in church. Where should you lie? Right? Well, yeah, 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 there we go. Well, you shouldn't lie in church. 
You are the church. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's a people. And so what? if you shouldn't do something in the church, you shouldn't do it in your house. Can I have an amen? Ooh, that's good. Can I have a better amen? Did y'all, I don't think they heard. This may not be on. If you wouldn't do it in the church, you shouldn't do it in your house because you are the church. That's a good place to say amen. Notice is here the word church. Let's pull up this next slide. <clears throat> so where does the word church come from? I'm going to do my best to pronounce this here for you. It's the Greek, the Greek, the, the Greek word. <laughs> you know, I'm doomed from the beginning. It's ecclesia, as Pastor Michael just said. Thank you. See, I even put, so I would remember how it's pronounced. I even put the little things out there. It's ecclesia. This is a compound Greek word. I don't want to be fancy here, but this word means something. It tells a story. And we're going to take you a little deeper today, even than what you've heard from ecclesia, even some things that maybe you've seen. We're going to peel back another layer of that that will be just tremendous in meaning. From the Greek word ek, which means to exit or separate. So when y'all leave today, just say ek. Just tell everybody ek. And you're speaking Greek. And so you're exiting. You're leaving. And it's from the, the other Greek word kaleo. Kaleo means to call or invite or to summon. So when you put this together, literally, and I'm going to explain this part down here. It's ekklesia. It is to call or summons out. Let me give you a little bit of historical background. I looked up the original usage of this word. What did this word mean to the first century church? How many know words today mean something different that they didn't mean the other, you know, even a decade ago? So what did this word mean to the first century church? Uh, apparently there's a thing now, and it's probably a couple of years old because my kids are not very progressive in their hip-hop language. So they're, they're probably a decade behind, Mo. You can help me with this. But now when you say something to somebody like in a smart way or I don't you catch them in something you say burn that's a burn do you do that or is that like middle school you did that so see they're just now catching up so but the first time my son Noah said it he said burn I thought he was like burn like I said what's wrong what's the matter what's the matter he's like no dad it's a burn I got you and so see words mean something now today see when I was in high school burn meant like fire and paper and smoke and all that but now it means something totally different so what did the word ecclesia mean to the first century church why did the Holy Spirit choose to use this word to represent this new, emerging, forming community of believers? It didn't start with Christians. The word ecclesia didn't start with Christ's followers. It started with the, the rulers and the leaders in the city of Athens, Greece. And they would call them out of their communities and elevate them to leadership. And they would make decisions. They would make decisions for the town. They would, it would be like our city council. And they would elevate them out of normal society. And they would have judicial rulings. They would decide who would be banished, who could stay. They would make the rules for the city. They were the ecclesia. They were the prestigious assembly. And to be called out and say, we want you to come and be a part of this leadership team. They brought authority to their communities. They brought leadership and influence. The decisions that they made influenced the entire city. And it was a tremendous honor to be a part of the ecclesia, to be a part of the city council, to be a part of the mayoral staff, or the mayor's staff. I'm not sure. I just backed myself in a hole there, Susan. But to be a part of this team, the leadership team. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit chose to use that word. So look at the next slide here that I want you to see. <clears throat> so what does this mean to us in the New Testament? The local church, the local ecclesia, 
We are a body of individuals who have been called out. We've been called forth. We've been separated for a divine purpose, the purpose of God. The church, the ecclesia, is God's assembly in every town, in every city, and is composed of people who've been saved and called out. And now we are making eternal decisions that affect the very atmosphere of our local region and city. We are not just here to take up offerings. We are not just here to sing songs. We're not just here to have quiche. Was that quiche out there? Well, yeah, come on. Thank Angela for the quiche this morning. Come on. I didn't even know what it was. I had to ask. How many of you are not surprised? It looks good, whatever it is. I was like, what is that? It's quiche. So see, I'm educated. I'm growing. I'm growing in my knowledge of things. But we're not just here to have quiche. We thank God for quiche. We thank God for Angie. But we are here because we, are, we have a divine purpose. We have a divine assignment. And we are to affect the very atmosphere of our local region. Look at the next slide here. The church has a purpose. The church still has a meaningful purpose. I wrote this in my notes, Tara Lawson. I wrote, the church still has a purpose. And then I drew a line through it, and I said, no, no, the church still has a valid purpose. And then I typed that back, erased that on my computer, and then I said, the church still has a valid, meaningful purpose today. The news media will tell you the church doesn't have a purpose. One of I don't even remember the article. I didn't read it. And I just heard about it. And it was in GQ magazine, which I don't have. I don't read. I don't know anything about it. Those guys are way too sharp dressed for me, I guess. I don't, I'm not that cool. But apparently they put a list out of the top 10 or 15 or 20 books that you should never read. I don't, again, I, I just heard this in passing. And guess which was one of the top books on their list that you should never read that is totally pointless and totally has no meaning. The Bible that you're holding in your lap. So if you subscribe to GQ Magazine, cut it out. Throw it in the trash. That's a burn. That's time to burn. Amen? Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. You can't burn a magazine? Is that what you said? Oh, burn it. Okay. If you can't burn it, I will. Bring it to me. I'll show you. We'll light that sucker on fire. Praise God. Let it burn. Let it burn. Ladies and gentlemen, I heard that, man. I was sick because that's influencing our millennials. It's in. The Bible made one of their top list of books that you should never read because it's totally out of date. The church of Jesus Christ is still valid. We are still meaningful and we still have a purpose. Despite what the news may tell you, despite what culture says, despite what your professors say, the church of Jesus Christ is living and active and we still have a purpose. Come on, let's give God thanks. We still have a purpose. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about this here. So I wrote this in my notes here. God never intended the local church to be a quiet, hidden body of believers. I got this image that the church is kind of in hiding. And we're just, we're, we're doing all we can to hold on. Not, not necessarily as a local church here, but global church and even some local churches. We're, we're in like this posture where all we can do is just hold on. And we're just hoping that Jesus comes and rescues us. We're going to stay in our little holy huddle and, and curse the darkness and we're just afraid to do anything, afraid to say anything, afraid to step out, afraid to take a stand against right and wrong and we're just huddling and hoping that Jesus returns and saves us from our misery. The church was never intended to be a quiet, hidden body of believers. We are His voice. We are the voice of the living God. We are His ruling power in our communities. 
The Knoxville City Council may think that they direct this city. But ladies and gentlemen, if the church would do what the church is called to do, the church will direct the city. We are God's ecclesia. We are called out to make decisions that affect destinies and atmospheres in eternity. Come on, can you say amen? Maxie likes this. That's good preaching. So God's plan is for each congregation <coughs> that we would not hide in fear, but that we would rise to a position of influence. God wants us as a church, as a people, to rise to position of influence. Just the other day, I received an invitation from Holston Middle School to come to a lunch where they were honoring their partners. And I appreciated the principal thinking about us. We've stayed involved with them, kept that connection open. Your church is so awesome. This last week was Teacher Appreciation Week. Any teachers in the house? <laughs> this is Teacher Appreciation Week. And so your church is so awesome. You took all the teachers' donuts and orange juice and water and granola bars. Come on, can we give God thanks? They were so blessed. But I went to this lunch at Holston, and the principal, I texted her, and I said, Hey, thank you so much for thinking about me, because we're not meeting there anymore. Uh, as a church, we met there for a while, and we're not meeting there anymore, but I've tried to stay connected, keep those communication lines open. And I said, hey, thanks for thinking about me to invite this. She said, I was so glad that you texted me. I was hoping you would come, because I want you to address the people, and I want you to pray over the meal. I want you to pray over the students. And I'm in, I'm in that room with 50 business leaders. Bob Bell was there from Joy 62. This is business partners, major business people. We were the only church on the list. Yeah, we give God thanks, but that whole list should have been full of churches. I mean, thank God we were there. They had all these sponsors, big regal entertainment and, you know, this. And I looked and we were the only faith-grouped organization that has done anything to affect that school. We should be the ruling voice of influence in our community. And little old me, working on my English language, <laughs> working on my grammar, I got to pray a blessing. And she sent me a text afterwards. She said, that was awesome. The students appreciate that. And all I did was just pray that God would bless them. But you know what? Influence was in the room. Authority of God was in the room. It didn't matter what I said. Because I'm the church. Well, you can't take church to school. When I walk in the school, the church walks in the school. Come on, let's give God praise. Well, you can't bring religion in here. If I walk in the door, God's coming with me. You can't separate me from God, and you can't separate me from the church. I is the church. <laughs> and I know that was not correct, but it was fun to say. You should try it. Say, I is the church. Come on, isn't that fun? We like it. So we have, as a church, we have a specific assignment in our local region. So let's look at this church. The church has two main expressions. Look at this next slide. We have the church with a capital C. Anybody remember the old Carmen song? We are the church with a capital C. Maybe Jerry can pull it up on YouTube before we leave. Carmen has a song called We Are the Church with a Capital C. Don't be searching for it until, like, make sure you hit mute if you're going to be. <laughs> but so the, the church with a capital C is the global expression of all believers. 
I can walk to, into a city in Nicaragua and meet brothers and sisters, and, and we are connected because we are the church. We're part of the... So, you know, some churches think they are the church. <laughs> Have you ever saw that? They think they've got it all figured out. They're the only ones going to heaven. Man, are they going to be disappointed when they get to wherever they go. But so the church, the church with the capital C is the global expression of Christ. It's from every era of time, every nation, every tongue, every tribe. If you have put faith in the name of Jesus Christ, <coughs> you are a part of the church. And then there's us, the church with the little c. We are a local expression. We have a specific assignment in this geographical area. We are a part of the larger church. Our church is a small piece of the puzzle in the larger body. Now look with me at Matthew chapter 16. I want to kind of roll along here a little bit because I really do want to get you out before 2 o'clock. <laughs> I hardly ever print my notes. I keep them on the tablet. But last night I printed them just so I could look and read and make some notes. I mean, it's hard to make notes on your tablet. It didn't work too well. So it was like it was like 13 pages. I was like, oh, dear God in heaven, I'm going to have to cut this back a little bit. But, you know, we got next week, praise God. Now, look at this right here. Go to Matthew chapter 16. <coughs> we really won't keep you that long. Now, if Rick were preaching, I can't, you know, say what that would be. But Matthew chapter 16. All right, and Jesus said to them, he's talking to Peter here. He said, you are Simon Barjona, and flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Peter just had this great revelation. You are the Christ, Son of the living God. Now look in verse 18. I love this. I love it. I love it. He says, I'll say to you that you are Peter. And that is uh, the Greek word Petros, which means little rock, small pebble. And he says, and upon this rock, that's the Greek word Petro, it means rock bed, big rock, big boulder. Jesus is talking to himself. He's, he's saying, you're Peter, and I'm going to use you as a part of my church and part of my foundation, but I will build my church. Notice this here. Jesus takes ownership of the church. Can I tell you something? Jesus never built a church building. Well, the scripture says Jesus will build his church. He never built a church building, but he's building people. He's in the people building business. So he's saying, I'll use you, Peter. You're going to put upon us first, but upon this rock, the chief cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected, I'm going to use that and I'm going to build. And the gates of Hades, or you could say the gates of hell will not overpower it. Ladies and gentlemen, hell cannot stop the committed community of believers. The gates of hell cannot advance and cannot prevail because Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is in the church building business. <coughs> Jesus is in the business of establishing churches. We need to be a growing, healthy, thriving church because Jesus is building his church. Notice with me at this next PowerPoint for life. I want you to see this on the screen. Growing churches are sustained by growing people. If you are a part of a live and living and vibrant, growing, healthy church, it's because the people in that church are growing and thriving in their walk with God. Churches are built and established and sustained by growing people. Let's look at a few more scriptures that help us establish this point about Jesus building his church. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2. When you leave today, I want you to leave with the thought that I am the church. I am the voice of God in my community. I am the voice of influence in my city. I am the voice of influence because I am the church. Notice this here in Ephesians chapter 2. So you Gentiles, that's anyone who's not Jewish, anyone who's not of the Jewish heritage, <coughs> you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're now citizens with all of God's holy people. 
Isn't this awesome? How many of you sometimes don't feel like one of God's holy people? See, I'm telling you, that, that means we've, we've not arrived, we're not perfect, but God sees us as holy. God sees us as one of his own. It says you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You know why I love this church? Because you can walk in the door, and it doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your uh, social uh, economic status, doesn't matter uh, where you've been, what you've done. We will engraft you in because it's a part of the family of God. How many know you don't always get to choose your family? How many of you wish you could choose your family? So we don't get to choose who walks in the door, but we get to choose to embrace them as a part of the family of God. Now, it says you are members of God's family. Now go to the next verse, verse 20. Notice this here. <coughs> Together we are his house, meaning we need Sabrina to help build the house of God. We need Caleb to help build the house of God. It says together, notice the unity. We are his house. I belong to God. I'm His bride. I'm His body. We are His church. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And that cornerstone, that Petra, that rock, is Jesus Christ Himself. And look at verse 21. Man, this is so powerful. Verse 21. We are carefully joined together. You come in with your difference. And I come in with my difference, and God carefully joins us together. You come into the church with your personality, and I have my wonderful personality, and God meshes us and blends us together. You come in with your humility, I come in with my pride, and God does something in our midst. You come in with your, your dreams, what God's called your family to do, and we come in with my differences and my background and my culture, and God carefully joins us together in Him. We are becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I want you to see our congregation, our church, our local expression with the divine assignment in our community. We are growing up to become a holy temple for the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? That is so powerful, so much revelation. And it says, the gates of hell will not power against you, back in Matthew 16. So this statement, listen to this. I want you to hear this now, please. This statement, Matthew 16, <coughs> verse 18. Notice this here. This statement is that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, the church. This says, listen to this, friends, if you can. The church should be on the offensive. Go back to verse 18 if you can. I want you to see this in verse 18. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Meaning, listen to this clearly. The church of Jesus Christ should not always just be on the defensive. We should be on the offensive. We should be on the offensive and, and bringing the kingdom of God to bear in our cities, in our schools, in our communities. Hell cannot conquer or prevail against the unified, committed body of Christ. Now I want you to see this here, Matthew 16, verse 19. Thank you. Now you can pull up verse 19. So let's travel on through our passage here. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice this here. I will give you, the church, the keys to the kingdom. Now, I love this phrasing here, keys to the kingdom. <coughs> keys represent authority. Keys represent ownership. Let me take you on a journey here. Stay with me for just a minute. I will give you the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the keys to the kingdom of God. I will give you ownership over the kingdom of God. I will give you authority in the kingdom of God. Now, my wife and I, tomorrow we celebrate 13 years of marriage. Can you <laughs> encourage her for putting up with me? And somehow we thought it was a good idea to go to an escape room to celebrate our anniversary. <laughs> I don't know how we thought that was a good idea, but we did, we did escape. We really, really, 
Oh, the oh, escaping, no escaping marriage. That's right. Do you want to keep interrupting my sermon, or do you want to you want to come play the keyboard? <laughs> okay. How do you think you should come and try to play the keyboard? Then? That'd be the real joke. Praise God. <laughs> you know I love you. Okay, leave me here. Okay. Burn. Was that a burn? That was a burn. Okay. Burn. Where was that? It's such a good story. Ushers, can you help me over here with this unruly staff member? So we were doing an escape room, which I don't know how we wound up in an escape room, but we did escape. Uh, only two of us. The guy told us we were great problem solvers. I said, yeah, we pastor at church. You know, yeah. <laughs> we got four kids. Yeah, we're good problem solvers. But we were in this escape room, and, and you could not advance to the next level until you solved a puzzle. How many of you have no idea what an escape room is? You're like, well, you're locked in a closet or something? Or Somebody fill these people in. It's a deal where you go in and there's puzzles and you solve it and, and you basically pay money to be really frustrated and really confused in the dark is basically what you do. But, but there was a situation where you couldn't, get, like, you couldn't get to the next point until you solved the puzzle or found the clues to, to get a key. You would walk in the door and the first thing you see is a lock. And your job in this room is to figure out where's the key. Because you cannot advance in your agenda. You cannot advance on your mission. Uh, our mission was we were in some kind of bunker that was self-destructing in like 60 minutes. And I kept screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. I was like, I was all into it. But you got to find the key to advance. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, I will build my church I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And not only that, but I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And it says, whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm giving my church spiritual warfare to advance the agenda of God. We are the ecclesia. We are the ones who have authority in the earth. We are the ones who have authority in, the, in our communities. It's because God gave us the keys to the kingdom of God. He said, I will give you, the church, <coughs> the keys. There's not just one key. There's keys. And we spent a whole other series on what those we could suppose though to be. But the church brings the authority of God to the earth. Didn't Jesus pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So we've been given the keys to loose and to bind, meaning the church's authority. Now, what is the church's authority? Is it when I wear an Emmanuel Assembly of God church shirt? Is the church's authority when I hand somebody a business card that says, I'm the pastor of Emmanuel Assembly of God? What is the church's authority? Who's the church? We are the church. So Luis has this authority. Joyce has this authority. TC has this authority. This is not just authority that the pastor walks in or that the staff walks in. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. He's given you the authority, given you the keys. Now notice this here. And I'm going to walk down a road that is kind of like walking on ice. I'm going to tread lightly here because I'm not in the business to offend, except half the worship team this morning was offended at me, but... You'll have to ask them. They threatened to leave the church, but they didn't. I'm just teasing. You just, what is this all about? You should join the worship team and you will find out. I'm not in the offending business, but this could sound offensive. But I don't want it to be offensive because I don't have enough time to make it offensive and clean it up. But let me say this, okay? Let me say this lightly, all right? It's our assignment to bind up demonic powers in our city in our atmosphere, 
It's our assignment to loose people from demonic influence. That's what that is. Binding, binding Satan from working in, in our area, in our family, in our church, and then loosing people through over dominion of the demonic. So let me say this in a in a I'm really trying to say this in a good way. If you don't understand, this just throws you in a, in a top spin. Just come talk to me. Let's sit down. We need some time to dialogue this, okay? But God, God is no longer binding up certain things in communities and cities. You know why? Because He gave the church the authority to do that. He gave the church the authority. He said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. So I'm not waiting on God to just bind up the powers of the enemy in my city. God says, I'm waiting on you, the church. Now let me say this in a, in a kind way as far as our city. People say all the time, our city is corrupt. Why is there so much corruption in our government? Why is there so much death and depravity? Why is God letting so much corruption go on in our world? And ladies and gentlemen, in, in effect, according to this passage, in our city, in our culture, I'm talking culture, okay? God is allowing in our culture what the church is allowing. Because God said, I gave you authority. I gave you the keys to the kingdom. So if God is taken out of our schools, it's not God just sitting back allowing prayer and the Bible to be taken out of the schools. The church allowed the prayer and Bible to be taken out of the schools. And so in effect, God is waiting on the church to be the ecclesia, to be the voice of authority back again in our communities. We've lost it. And so the reason our society looks like it's going to hell in a handbag is because churches have been in their holy huddle just cursing the darkness instead of being a place of influence, instead of being a place that brings the kingdom of God to bear. We've sit back and just let the enemy do what he wanted to do. But God said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose is loosed in heaven. I think it's time the church take our authority back in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, amen. And again, I don't mean that in a condemning way. But ladies and gentlemen, we have an assignment, and that's a part of our assignment in this local region. We've been given the keys. The keys represent authority. So the last slide, we're going to wrap it up today. If we want society to change, the church needs to change. It needs to be real, genuine, full of the power of God. We're going to talk about later on. I'm so excited. I may even skip ahead. I guess you can skip ahead in your own sermon, can't you? I may skip ahead. We're going to talk about the supernatural church. And in the life of Jesus and in the book of Acts, what we, what we see, and I want to give you like five very simple keys, not today, but next week. We probably won't get through all five, but I'm going to start. And if we do those five simple keys as a church, you will not be able to turn people, you will not be able to contain the people that God will bring to us because the church is being the church in the community that God wants it to be. Six, seven services a weekend wouldn't touch it. And it's five simple things. We've just got to be the church. And it's not waiting on me and the staff. And the you are the church. We are the church together. We're fit, knitted together for a divine assignment in our community. Amen? Hope this fires you up. Last slide. I know y'all want to go eat. <clears throat> the influence of the gospel must increase. The influence of the gospel must increase. Why do we want the church to grow? Why do we want the church to continue to be established? Because we live in a world where the influence of the gospel is being suppressed. The influence of the gospel is being diminished. The power of the gospel is being pushed down. But the, I believe God wants to advance the influence of His power and advance the influence of His gospel. The church is called to advance God's authority in God's kingdom in the earth. We are called. We have a calling, and we're going to talk to you about that next week. Amen.
Hope that blessed you today. Let's pray, okay? Would you all stand with me this morning? <coughs> hey, it's a great day to be a part of the church. It's a great day. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, the more the church was pressed and the more the church was squeezed, the more they impacted people for Jesus. We're not praying doom and gloom and believing just for darkness and hard times, but you know what? If they come, if persecution comes, and it will, let's let the church rise. Let's be the church. Let's be God's authority and His voice in our families, in our community, in our city. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for all these great people that you've brought into this house today. <coughs> Father, I thank you that your word is living and active. And I bind up every devil that would come and steal this word. And I thank you that it will go into our hearts and bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you can. I want to lead you in a, in a moment now that's so important to me. I talked about the church. Being a part of the church is not signing a membership role. Being a part of a church is not being even baptized into such and such fellowship. Baptism is very important. But just because you're quote-unquote baptized into a certain church doesn't necessarily mean that you are in the church. And so the awesome thing is, is there is an invitation available. God says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you got to do is believe that Jesus came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And the Bible says, if you believe that, put your trust in that salvation, you will be saved. As I look across this room today, <coughs> every one of you in here is a candidate to be a member of the family of God. Every one of you in this room today is a candidate to become a part of the household of God. And so I want to extend an invitation for you this morning. Pray this with me out loud if you can. Everybody in the room, let's all pray together as loud as we can. I'm going to give you words, and I just want you to put your heart with it this morning. Let's all pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I believe he took my place. Thank you for rising him from the dead on the third day. Thank you that you paid for my penalty of sin. Sin and Satan, I turn away from you. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. Make me a child of God. Bring me into your family. I commit to following you. I commit to serving you for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you prayed that prayer and you added faith to that, I believe you're now part of the kingdom of God. The next step is you have to publicly share your story. You have to publicly share your testimony. So come and find one of us. Find a pastor on our staff. Pastor Rick, Pastor Michael, would you guys just slip up your hand? Find one of these guys. Tell them, you got to share your story. Make it a public confession of faith. Amen.